What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside yet another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple, the destination for the Houdat Nation. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Follow me on always, follow me as always. Um, excuse me, on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. Um, now let's jump right into it. I know this is going to be, for the most part, a preview uh, of Saints Panthers this Sunday, a chance for them to basically lock up the division with only five games left after that. Um, it's a big game for the Saints, every division game is, but before I get into that, I want to talk about something that happened on Tuesday night, and it all really just took place because of something that one of the biggest haters out there said, Chris Sims. Now, Chris Sims was doing his you know pro football talk show with Mike Florio on NBC, and I'll, I've said it many times. I, I don't want to disrespect the career of Chris Sims because at the end of the day, he did play in the NFL for a couple of years. His father's obviously a Super Bowl MVP caliber quarterback. Um, and there's a good bloodline there. My issue is one, the way he says certain things about the Saints players. And two, the fact is that he doesn't like New Orleans because he came out and him and Florio were discussing who's the best wide receiver in football. And it seemed like Florio was ready to say Michael Thomas, which anyone um, who's been watching this season and paid close attention to all the top wide receivers would probably say Michael Thomas because what he's been able to do, he leads the league in receptions and leads the league in receiving yards. He's on pace to break the record for most catches in a single season, which has been set you know, a decade ago past that um, by Marvin Harrison, who's one of the greatest wide receivers to play this game. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to go with that, and that's fine. It doesn't mean you have to say Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver. But what he said is, I'm not making him first. I'd go Tyreek Hill. Then I'd go Amari Cooper. Then I'd go Mike Evans. And then maybe we'll get to Michael Thomas. So he doesn't just skip past Michael Thomas. He picks three wide receivers who he's definitely better than as guys that are uh, that should rank above him on a wide receiver list. And then when I called him out on it, he comes out and then tweets, amazing that calling someone the fourth best in the world that something is considered disrespectful my point is that Sean Payton's an absolute master at designing plays to get people open. And to that, I say, is Sean Payton the only one calling plays for his wide receiver? Tyree Kill has Andy Reid, and he has Patrick Mahomes. That certainly helps. Amari Cooper's got Michael Gallup across from him, an emerging uh, star at quarterback in Dak Prescott. And Mike Evans has Bruce Arians and Chris Godwin across from him, who, by the way, Chris Godwin is top five in receiving yards with Mike Evans this season. Um, of course, Chris Sims didn't answer. Because that's it. As soon as someone hits him with any type of factual evidence, he's just going to stop talking. Um, and my other issue is every time he tries to act like he's complimenting the team, he just throws another dig at them. Because you're basically saying, oh yeah, Michael Thomas is good. I'm not saying he's not good. Oh, but a lot of that has to do with Sean Payton. A lot of the wide receivers that are good in this league have a lot of uh, benefiting factors on the roster, whether it's a good play caller, a good quarterback. The one guy who I said... If you're going to take him over Michael Thomas, I am not going to argue. And I'll say two, Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. 
because Hopkins has played with bad quarterbacks and shine and Julio Jones. Um, yeah, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, but he hasn't really had a good play caller outside of Shanahan and that didn't last very long. So I get it. There are, you know, you want to say, uh, Julio's better. You want to say Deandre Hopkins is better. Fine. But Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans aren't in Michael, uh, Michael Thomas's class because let's go through it. Michael Thomas, 94 catches. Mike Evans, 58. Tyreek Hill, 33, albeit he's been injured. And Amari Cooper, 56. Well, let's go to receiving yards. 886 for Amari Cooper, 543 for Tyreek Hill, 993 for Mike Evans, and 1,141 for Michael Thomas. So if you're seeing a theme here, the best receiver has the best numbers, but apparently numbers lie according to Chris Sims. This is the same guy, mind you, that every time Drew Brees has ever accomplished something great, he's always tried to diminish. The passing yards record, he tried to diminish. 500 touchdown passes, he tried to diminish. Being a main reason the Saints are about to make the playoffs for three straight years, he always says Drew Brees is not the reason why. So if you want to take Chris Sims' word, go ahead. Mind you, he ranked Drew Brees the 12th best quarterback in football. If you can name me 11 quarterbacks right now better than Drew Brees, Cool, but you're not going to be able to. And I'm fine with you not ranking Drew Brees top five. His day is uh, probably passed as being one of the elite quarterbacks in this game. But you can't name 11 quarterbacks better than Drew Brees, but apparently you can, according to Chris Sims. This is also a guy who doesn't rank Drew Brees in his top seven, top 10, whatever number you want to put. He doesn't rank it. And it's probably because he's spiteful because he played for the Buccaneers and got his teeth kicked in every time he played the Saints. That's the reality. But, I mean, if you're going to come at someone and make such a bold statement, back it up. Because everyone that hit Chris Sims with statistics, he didn't reply back to. He just hid behind the wall and was hoping that, you know, he can just get away uh, on the fact that his last name is Sims. Because that's the only reason he has the job that he has. His last name is Sims. His dad was a good quarterback for the Giants. He won a Super Bowl. And now he just gets to walk around and use that as a way um, and claim to fame. That, that's the reality. And I, I've never, I've never liked him uh, as an analyst. I haven't liked him with Bleach Report. I won't like him with NBC. And at this point, I'd rather him just not speak on the Saints because you never have anything good to say. You had nothing good to say when they were bad. You have nothing good to say when they're actually a, a competitor and a contender. Um, and just stop. Like he's making, he's making himself look like a fool. For you to go out of your way and say Amari Cooper and Tyree Kill are better wide receivers. What does Tyree Kill do better besides running deep? And that's it. You want to talk about being the best receiver this year. Availability is the best ability. Tyreek Hill's missed, I believe, four or five games this season. And he's injured again. He just hurt his hammy the other day. So those things don't matter to Chris Sims, apparently. Um, and let me tell you why Michael Thomas, before I end up shifting over to Saints Panthers and talk about that game, let me tell you why he's the best wide receiver right now in the National Football League. Defenses know the ball's coming to number 13. They know that the Saints don't have another good wide receiver. Ted Ginn, past his prime. Traquan Smith, don't know where he's been. Uh, Krishan Hogan, not going to cut it. Austin Carr, not cutting it as well. They got no one across from him that's going to threaten an opposing cornerback. So you know Michael Thomas is going to get the ball. You know it's going to be somewhere short. And then somehow every game he ends up with 9 to 10 catches. That's not scheme. That's not getting lucky. That's just called you were really damn good at your job. And Michael Thomas... Is someone who got paid this year, five-year, $100 million, and it could have been one of those players that says, you know what, I got paid, I take my foot off the gas. He's on pace to have his best season of his career by far. He's putting up numbers no other wide receiver's done, but apparently it doesn't matter. That's the funniest thing about all this. So I ask a, you know, a fan that has at least half a brain and is a realist about these things, 
who right now in the National Football League is playing better at the wide receiver position than Michael Thomas. Not kick returner like Tyreek Hill, not who catches the nicest deep balls like Mike Evans or who's the nicest route runner, who is the most complete wide receiver today with production and you just watch him and the value he brings to the team. There's only one wide receiver mentioned in the MVP race and albeit he's not going to win the MVP, Michael Thomas is in the MVP race. And if his numbers and stats don't matter, then why is Christian McCaffrey in the MVP race? Because you're telling me stats do matter then. Can't pick and choose which uh, you know which player matters for him, which player doesn't. That's not how it works. And I will go as far to say this. If the Saints don't have Michael Thomas on their team, they are not even winning a single game while Drew Brees is out. Because you had the luxury of Bridgewater, who again, you guys know I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater guy. I hope he's the quarterback after Brees. I would love nothing more than that. Um, I've vouched for him multiple times here on the podcast. I'll continue to do so. I think he's he's got a bright future in the NFL. Having Michael Thomas, who he could just throw to eight times, nine times, ten times a game, it's a luxury. And he took advantage of it, and I'm really happy for him that he was able to do that. So I think Michael Thomas is really the uh, the driving force of this team. You can make a case he's the most valuable player on this roster. And this is a team that's going to make the playoffs most likely, could make another run to the NFC Championship game, and the wide receiver is the most valuable player. You will not find that on another on another team right now, which tells me he's the best at his position in the NFL. Now, before I go over to Saints Panthers and give you an injury report, uh, matchups to watch, and my prediction, um, I just want to remind you guys that, and I'll, and I'll talk about it on Twitter also, so you'll probably see it before you listen to this episode. I'm going to be doing a new segment where I'm going to let one fan each episode come on. Uh, one Saints fan, give me a 30-second to one-minute rant question. Uh, bring up a topic that's important to this team, uh, and I'm going to let you express yourself. We'll figure out maybe a, a little tricky name for it, uh, that segment, but it's going to be something new to try as the season winds down, but it should be fun, and I'm definitely going to let you guys get a chance and crack inventing or bringing up a really good point about the New Orleans Saints. Now, before we go into Saints-Panthers, just listen to this brief short message. And we're back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Just spoke about um, the Michael Thomas dispute with Chris Sims, which, of course, you guys could go back on Twitter if you really want to check. Um, nothing surprises me anymore with what he says. But anyway, let's shift gears. Let's talk about Saints-Panthers big divisional game coming up this weekend. Um, here's here's how it's going to go down. If the Saints win this game, they're 9-2. and two. Panthers will drop to, I believe... I want to say five and five would be the uh, would be the number there for them. I could be wrong. Let me just check for you guys real quick. Um, Panthers would drop down to five and six. Excuse me. Yeah. So here's how it goes: Saints win and they're nine and two, and the Panthers are five and six. The NFC South is over. Saints need to win one more game to clinch, um, and, and that would be it. So it, here here's the ideal scenario if you're a Saints fan, and you are if you're listening, obviously. They win on Sunday, and they win on Thanksgiving. You celebrate your Thanksgiving night with a NFC South uh, clinch, a clinching win. That, that's the deal. They clinch the division if they win the next two games, basically. Um, and I know the Saints have to know in the back of their minds that they can't take this team lightly, and if they can take care of the division now, 
You can put all the NFC South noise to the side, and the last month of the season can be solely focused on getting a bye week or getting the number one seed in the NFC. And that would be a luxury for a team that has dealt with injuries. Could maybe get to the point where they can rest in week 17. Like, you know how important that is? Um, everyone's like, I didn't like that the starters, you know, sat in week 17 because then they came out rusty against the Eagles. No, you know what happened that Eagles game? They missed the first play. If Drew Brees hits that pass and doesn't get picked off, the whole momentum of that game, uh, you know, turns on its head. That would have been a touchdown to Ted Ginn. Eagles would have been deflated, would have been down 7 nothing after 10 seconds. And they'll be like, oh shit, we, we're going to lose. And that's what happened. So, um, I think the Saints know what's at stake here in this Panthers game. But here's the injury report while we're at it. Andrews Pete, he's not practicing. It's not going to be for a while. Um, if you see Andrews Pete, it's probably going to be a playoff game. That's when you'll see him. Uh, Marshall Lattimore did not practice with a hammy injury. Same thing with Deontay Harris. And those are pretty big. I mean, I tweeted today uh, that Lattimore, in my opinion, is not playing until the 49ers game. I just don't see if he's not ready for Sunday, how four days later you could say, oh, he's ready for the Falcons game. Now, you could be like he's ready and he has 10 days off after to prepare for the Niners game. Yeah, you could make that argument, but hammy injuries are so tricky. This was the biggest weakness coming out of college and the biggest flaw. Can he get past these issues? It's clearly come back again now. Saints want to be careful because you need Lattimore for January. Who cares? Look, would it be nice to have Lattimore right now? Absolutely. The Saints are obviously a better team with Marshawn Lattimore out there. There's no question. He's one of the most valuable players on their roster. They need him for January. Doesn't matter what the case is, what the scenario is. They need Marshawn Lattimore in January when the playoffs come around, um, and they can't force the issue here. So if they got to wait till December, you wait till December. It doesn't seem like he's going to play this Sunday though. Zach Line was also out of practice, the knee injury. He's been on the injury report a lot. He's kind of been limited, and then just plays on Sundays. And I think the Saints are starting to find that balance. So I would say this is more of a rest day, but we'll see on Thursday what his injury designation is. Then you have Josh Hill limited with a concussion, which is scary stuff. Um, I know Sean Payton said it was a mild concussion, but here's the deal. Concussion is a concussion. I've had ones. I have a, I've had a couple before, I believe two or three. And the thing is with those, got to take your time. And Hill's had before. The last thing you want is for Hill to have long-term damage when he leaves this game. So the Saints will probably play it safe with him if they have to, but you never know. He might clear concussion protocol and be ready to go by Sunday. It wouldn't shock me. Um, and then the last three on the injury report, Larry Borford limited with a thigh injury. Ryan Ramchek limited with a knee injury and Austin Carr with an ankle injury. Um, Ramchek and Warford, I know it. You, you might think it's concerning, but I think the Saints are better off at this point in the season. If you can limit your offensive uh, lineman's production in practice and just, you know, they work on communication throughout the walkthroughs, um, I, I think that's all you really need. You want to give them as much rest as possible because you're going for a stretch run in December through January, and hopefully they're playing in February. But that's the injury report there. For the Panthers, nothing really there that's major. Um, the Panthers don't have any big injuries to their team right now outside of Cam Newton, who's obviously out for the year. Um, and it's going to be a good game. And the one thing you'll see about the Panthers over the last couple of weeks is they have really come back down to earth. Um, they played the 49ers, got their, you know, they got stomped. They bounced back against the Titans. Then they lost to the Packers in heartbreaking fashion. And then the Falcons came out and absolutely destroyed them. So the question is, who are the real Panthers? Are they the team that started off with like a 5-2 and two record, I believe it was, and everyone was like, you know, this, this is a good football team. Or is it the Panthers team that we're seeing the last couple weeks? What's, what's the deal? That's what I want to know here. Um, what's going on and how good of a Panthers team is this actually? Um, and I, and I think it's more towards the side where they're not that good. I think they have a good defensive line. One of the best when it comes to getting sacks. I think they have 
the best running back in football right now in Christian McCaffrey. I think they have some nice complimentary pieces with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson. Nice complimentary pieces. But I don't think this team is as good as people thought they were a couple weeks ago when everyone was saying, hand the keys to the car to Kyle Allen and let him be your quarterback of the future. I think you're seeing now that there's limitations to Kyle Allen. As teams get more film on him, they're seeing where his weaknesses are. Let him force the issue downfield. He can't make those type of throws. Um, You know, he had four picks against, I believe, the Niners and then three picks against Atlanta. Like, just struggling, full-on struggling. Um, And I think the Saints can force a couple of turnovers on Sunday with Lattimore or without him. Um, We saw last weekend four interceptions against Jameis Winston. Winston is obviously more turnover-prone than Allen, but it shows that the defense can still make plays. But here's the three matchups that I think are ultimately going to decide this game. And let's go with the first one. And this is the no-brainer, and this is the one that will probably dictate the most, uh, you know, dictate the score the most. It's CMC, Christian McCaffrey, versus the front seven of the Saints team. And the reason I'm going to say front seven, it's going to take everyone. If Christian McCaffrey's in a pass-blocking situation, if you're a defender, I hit. Uh, now I'm not cheap-shotting him, so let me just clarify that. But I'm giving him my all. I want to wear him down physically, so if I make him block me and put a lot of emphasis into blocking me on the one play, the next play, he's not there to give me the full energy, if that makes sense. Um, now, moving to the linebackers, what are you going to give me? Can Davis be able to get him out in space? Can Kiko Alonso be able to take him out in space? who, by the way, was really good against Tampa Bay, and his snaps are going to go up, you're going to see. Here's what scares me. Are the Saints going to be stuck in a situation where McCaffrey is guarded by A.J. Klein? Because if that's the case, the Saints might as well just concede a big play because that's what would happen. What I would love to see, and I don't know if Dennis Allen wants to do this because it's not really part of his scheme, but the way the Cowboys defended Alvin Kamara last year, they put Jordan Lewis, a corner, a slot corner on him, and they let him go to work. And although Lewis is not going to be like, you know, a physical guy that takes down Kamara, he can stay with him stride for stride. Do the Saints try to take a page out of that book and have a plan for CMC where, yeah, he'll, he's going to have some big plays. You can't shut down a player of that, you know, uh, a talent. It just doesn't happen. They're just so good. You just need to be able to limit how many explosive plays he has. So do the Saints go that route or do they trust their linebackers enough to make big plays over the course of this game? But McCaffrey's going to have those moments where he breaks off a 20-yard run or he has a 35-yard catch and he goes on a wheel route and he makes a big play down the sidelines. How many of those are going to happen during the game though? Can the Saints keep it under four? Can you keep them to three big plays a game, two big plays a game? And if you can do that, I think you're going to be in really good shape. And we've seen all the losses this year for the Panthers have been in games where, for the most part, McCaffrey was kept in check. They lost to the Packers, kind of kept in check in the ground. Not too many big plays. It was about 5.4 yards per carry. Um, They did lose to the Niners. McCaffrey had a really big run on one play, and for the most part, the rest of his statistics weren't that gaudy. It's almost as if that one play just juiced up his numbers. They lost to the Falcons. He only had 70 rushing yards. They also lost to the Buccaneers. He only had 37 rushing yards that time. So I think there's ways to limit McCaffrey, and I think the Saints are going to have to do that if you want to win this game on Sunday. Now let's move over to another matchup that's going to be really important. It's going to be Armstead and Ramchek versus Mario Addison and Brian Burns. Addison already has eight sacks on the year. He's always been a tough defender for the Saints to stop, and now Burns, a rookie in his own right, is playing really well. Uh, You want to talk about the Saints rookies that have been playing well this year? Brian Burns has been playing really well for the Carolina Panthers, um, and they have to love what they're getting out of him. Now, the question for the Saints is, can you stop a front that has been really good at getting after the uh, the opposing quarterback? They had uh, three sacks on Matt Ryan last week. Um, 
I think the Saints have better protection. We know that. But what Saints offensive line um, is going to show up? Is it going to be the one that was, you know, lackadaisical against the Atlanta Falcons? Or is it going to be the one that completely neutralized Shaq Barrett, JPP, and that Buccaneers defensive line? Which O-line is going to show up? That's the question. Um, we're going to get our answer on Sunday. And I think because of what's at stake, I think we're going to get a good offensive line showing. Can you can you keep Drew Brees clean? Can you keep him upright? Can you keep the pocket clean? And now this is also going to be a game where we see how good is Nick, uh, how good is Nick Easton. Because we know when Ramchek and Armstead are on, that's it. The outside secure, and they can also help out the interior when they have to because they just they're on their A game. They're able to lean over and provide a little bit of assistance. If they have their hands full with good pass rushers, what are the interior guys for the Saints going to do? Like McCoy, Warford, Nick Easton. What's going to happen? We're going to get to see him. We're going to really get a good um, understanding of where this offensive line is at. This is going to be a litmus test for them. Are they ready at this point in the year to just be the dominating force that they were last season? Um, and I think it's going to be a really good test for the Saints team. Now, my last matchup, it's probably the headliner. Now, I, I said before, and I'm going to stick to it, McCaffrey – and what he does against the Saints is going to probably have the most um, – is going to be the biggest determining factor on the result of this. But Kamara versus Luke Keekly is something that I can't wait to watch. And it doesn't mean necessarily that Keekly is going to be out there covering Kamara on every play. It's a point that Keekly is uh, going to know what Kamara wants to do on almost every play. The guy just studies so much film. He knows what he's doing. And he's just been such a, pe- a pest, to be honest, for the Saints team. He's, gonna, he's been tough to stop. And I think that with the way Kamara played last week, the Saints kind of feel like, all right, we got him going now. We, you know, he he gave us some juice last week against Tampa Bay. And here's the tricky part: Carolina's bad at stopping the run, but they're good at limiting running backs from getting a lot of receiving yards. So we know Kamara's really good at both, but the one that he's better at is the latter. He's better at being a receiving back, and the Panthers are good at stopping receiving backs. So this might be a game where if you're the Saints, you do an early dose of Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara between the tackles, and then after that, just absolutely hit him outside. Give me pitch plays. Give little wheel routes and option routes to Alvin Kamara and let him go to work. I think the Saints have to wear down the Panthers early and pound the run, and then when it's the end of the second quarter, we get into the second half, start to use Alvin Kamara and just wear them down um, but it's also possible they go with the route that they did on on last Sunday where they said, we're just going to force feed Kamara and we're going to see if you can stop it. And if you're Carolina, they better hope that Luke Eakley can because if they can't, it's going to be a long day in New Orleans. Now, I think usually the saying is the more desperate team wins on Sunday and coming off an embarrassing loss, you'd think that the Panthers would be the more desperate team. But I said this last week and I'm going to stick to this you know phrase here. Great teams find ways to bounce back off a tough loss. The Saints got embarrassed by the Falcons at home. What did they do? They embarrassed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers had a tough loss to the Packers. What did they do? They fell flat. Uh, They came out flat against the Atlanta Falcons the following week at home. That's a telling sign for me. I think the Panthers are going to be desperate. I don't doubt that. I bet the Panthers are going to put up a good fight. I don't see why the, the spread is as high as it is. I think it was like nine and a half at first. I was really confused by it. But then... I thought about all the factors here. The Saints have to know what's at stake. This is another home game. They've already dropped a home game in this uh, this month against a divisional opponent. They're not going to drop a second one, in my opinion. I think they're going to come out strong. I think they're going to get another good defensive showing against Kyle Allen. If their pass rush gets going, we'll see them force him into a couple mistakes. 
And I don't see how the Panthers are going to be able to stop Michael Thomas. I just don't know. No one's done it yet. Uh, Seattle came the closest, and they gave up five catches for 50-plus yards and a touchdown. So if you can't stop Thomas, if you can't stop Kamara, and the Saints continue to grow on offense with Murray and Cook getting incorporated a little bit more, it's going to be a tough task. And what Carolina used to hold their hat on was that they had a good defense. That isn't the case anymore. Statistically, it's a bottom-of-the-pack type defense. I think the Saints are going to take advantage. They're at home. They know what a win does. It basically wraps up the division. You might think that Carolina will be the more desperate team, but I think the Saints know what's at stake here, and they're going to be hungry and desperately trying to show that the Dome is still the best home field advantage in football. This is going to be a statement game. I I say the Saints win 27-17. to Um Look, could it be a lot closer? Absolutely. Will it probably be closer to the first half in a dogfight? You bet it will be. But I think as the game goes on, the Saints know what's here. They got to be a uh, you know, got to be a shark in the water smelling blood. Your NFC South opponent is wounded and you have the chance to knock him out of the race. Do it now because you do not want to give them any hope as you get into the month of December. So I think I think the Saints are going to win on Sunday, essentially wrap up the NFC South going up four games with only five left on the schedule. And if that happens, Saints fans, you can worry about Thanksgiving. That's fine. But just know if they win on Sunday, we're going to be talking about a different subject the next week. We're going to be talking about how far the Saints team could go, what seeding they could get. That's how important this game is. And if I know it, that means they know it. Um, And I think the Saints are going to come out strong on Sunday. But that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy and the Big Apple. Make sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening to. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys, and have an incredible weekend.